0: Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside, California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim, and the operation of His eternal purpose, pattern, and plan, operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation, given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the dean of our Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now, in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the Word or Son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this selfsame spirit manifested himself, In a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name, given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has ten primary constitutional aims and objectives, and they are as follows. one. To help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. and tend to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Rochelle Morgan from our Illinois class, And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Matthew, the 25th chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class.
1: Good afternoon, class. Let us all bow our hearts and minds and really give that undivided attention to the scripture, to the readers, to the speakers, and pray that Yahshua, the Messiah, edifies us with a more perfect knowledge and understanding of his purpose, pattern, and plan, and apply that to our everyday lives, where we can really see the growth, the spiritual growth, and that's what we're looking for. So I ask them in my Savior's name, Yahshua, the Messiah, let us all say hallelujah. hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. Good afternoon, class. Today, I'll be reading Matthew, the 25th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the holy name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated, College Park, Maryland. Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They which were foolish took their lamps, and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. So then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Sir, sir, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Sir, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His master said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter Thou into the joy of thy master. He also that it had received two talents came and said, Sir, thou deliveredest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His master said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy master. Then when he which had received one, the one talent, came and said, Sir, I knewest thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strewed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine." His master answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strewn. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with interest. Take more, therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from them him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd dividest his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye that blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and ye gave me food. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then the righteous answer him, saying, Sir, when saw thee we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it to, unto one of the least of these my brethren, You have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the adversary and his angels. For I was hungry, and ye gave me no food. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Sir, When saw we thee hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Morgan. And our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe and Dr. Bruce Geller, both from our Oceanside, California class. And our first speaker this afternoon, oh, sorry. speakers please be advised, there'll be a five-minute sign. When you have five minutes, please acknowledge the sign when you've seen the sign. Our first speaker this afternoon, will be Dr. Sheree Williams from our Orlando, Florida class.
1: Good evening, class. Good evening. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to have another opportunity to come and sit under this great divine vision and revelation that our Heavenly Father, Yahweh Elohim, through Yahshua the Messiah, did give our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley in the year of 1931 in Springfield, Ohio. And I'm eternally grateful for the mercy that our Heavenly Father, Yahweh Elohim, through Yahshua, did have on each and every one of us by giving this divine vision and revelation to the founder, And I am thankful that he was obedient to the vision he received and preached unto the world this great teaching that we might know Yahweh. I owe him through Yahshua the Messiah as he really is and as he actually exists, which is eternal life unto our souls. Um, The scripture lesson today uh, is one of my favorite scriptures. And this is Yahshua, the Messiah, uh, speaking to the people uh, when he was walking the face of the earth, fulfilling the law and the prophets. And uh, you can run that principle uh, that Yahshua was speaking to the people in a parable, law of prophecy and fulfillment, um, uh, because it testifies that he would speak to them in, in a parable. And so uh, the first portion of the scripture lesson is talking about five wise versions and five unwise versions. And we know that the oil that is talking about the unwise not having in their lamps um, is talking about the Holy Spirit. Because when we go back here in the back here, um, looking at this Moses chart. Uh, we know that after the children of Israel were delivered out of the land of Egypt, right? We know they were in bondage unto Pharaoh and his host for some 430 years from the promise given unto Abraham, uh, when they were delivered out of that bondage. And when they came out, uh, as they were preparing to come out of the land of Egypt, um, They spoiled the Egyptians, as you read over there in Exodus, I believe it's the 12th chapter. They spoiled the Egyptians and they had great substance that was wrapped up in their clothing. And this substance that was wrapped up in their clothing as they were delivered out of the land of Egypt um, and they uh, were delivered through the divided waters of the Red Sea. Uh, it was wrapped up in their clothing, this substance or this stuff that was going to be needed to construct the tabernacle pattern. And it was non-substance that they brought out of the land of Egypt when they spoiled the Egyptians. They they uh, got from the Egyptians silver, gold, and, and you name it, the non-substance. Why don't we go over to Exodus, I think it's 25 is it 1 talking about the uh, bringing Yahweh an offering I think that is 1 25, mm-hmm. Exodus 25 and 1, I'm trying to get to that all but we're going to set it up here,
3: Exodus 25 and 1 mm-hmm. and Yahweh spake unto Moses saying speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, he shall take my offering. (laughs) And this is the offering which you shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skin dyed red and badger skin and shittim wood, oil for the light, Spice for anointing oil and for sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Okay, that's that's good.
1: That's good right there. Thank you very much. Okay, so if you were to uh, list those substances uh, that the children of Israel had to bring forth unto Yahweh as an offering, it is nine substances that the children of Israel are bringing uh as an offering unto Yahweh that's gold silver black, brass you got linen that's four you got uh skins that's five you got hair that's six you got uh uh oil uh that's seven I'm forgetting one oh was it wood oh boy yeah. um mm-hmm. what okay, okay and the wood okay so that's nine substances that they took to build this tabernacle pattern so it's nine substances to build it when it was completed there's nine vessels in it and it took nine months to bring it forth okay can you get me the um the uh, man made by the pattern chart please Okay. Thank you. All right. So you have a uh, nine substances that it takes to build this tabernacle. There's nine vessels in the tabernacle and it took nine months to bring this tabernacle forward. And here you see on the top of the chart, man made in the image of Elohim by the pattern of the tabernacle. All right. So if you have nine, uh, vessels in the tabernacle you have to have nine systems in you in us right Mm -hmm. it took nine months to bring the tabernacle forward it takes nine months of gestation in the womb of a mother for us to come forth and see when you look up tabernacle uh one of the definitions in in the uh dictionary says uh that the temporary abode of the soul, especially the human body. That's what tabernacle means. So the physical bodies that we have is a tabernacle, all right? So then when you're looking at the nine vessels in the pattern here, you're seeing the altar sacrifice um, that's in the court roundabout, has four horns on it, right? And they had to put the four points of blood on this altar, uh, daily because they had a lamb that they had to slay in the morning and they had a lamb that they had to slay in the evening. No matter what other sacrifices that were brought to the priest to this tabernacle because of this thing or that thing or whatever, there was always a morning lamb and an evening lamb, no matter what. Okay, so then you go up from this altar of sacrifice and you go to the labor here. And this labor is where the priest had to wash the sacrifice uh, before they put the, the sacrifice on that uh, altar. Right. Had to wash there. And then after he did his work dealing with the sacrifice, right, then it was the bloody water was drained out. They put fresh water in there and then the priest had to clean cleanse himself before he could proceed further and Uh, his daily operation in the tabernacle pattern. Now the next vessel you come to is the cup of anointing oil and the oil that's in the cup of anointing oil typifies the Holy spirit because when the priests were made low priests at the age of 25, they had to be washed at this, uh, late uh, brazen labor and then anointed you see uh, here at the door there and then you had your high priest uh, at the age of 30 right so your low priest 25 your high priest at the age of 30 so you got a washing and an anointing and that anointing is typifying being anointed with the Holy Spirit okay so uh, that parable talking about the Uh, five wise virgins that had oil in their lamp and then when we go through the door here right, now let me say this before I move on that oil that was in the cup of anointing oil or horn whatever, whatever the vessel is not even important, you're dealing with the oil itself, that's what's the important part Um, it's five substances that made up that anointing oil, right, And you should be thinking way down the line because uh, when the children of Israel or the 120 were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, right? Penta means five. And when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, you see, or 50. Penta means five or 50. So you have to have five ingredients in that cup of anointing oil. That's how you know that's correlating with the uh day of a t- uh, uh Pentecost there in Acts the second chapter 120 uh, and were in that upper room, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you, they were quickened with Yahshua, the Messiah in them, who is the Holy Spirit, as we read in John 14, 26 and 27. All right. But when you come through the door here to the immediate uh, left on this chart, you see the seven branch candlestick. Now, when the priest went in there at nine o'clock that morning, every morning, He had to uh, put the lamp out, right, and fill that center branch with oil, and that oil set in that uh, seven branch. We say candlestick, but it was really a lamp stand, you know. And it set the oil set in there from nine o'clock that morning all the way around till three o'clock in the evening, and then the priest would light that lamp. So, that there's never any darkness in the holy place of this tabernacle pattern. All right. So, the point is that all in the cup of anointing oil and the all that's in this lampstand, right, is typifying the Holy Spirit. So, you're seeing him putting that all in that lampstand at the fourth branch, and then it it uh as it was filling up that fourth branch simultaneously, the other branches all they filled up simultaneously at the same time. uh we got a chance to see that here in Orlando, uh, our Quincy branch class uh had this uh um, vessel, the seven branch lampstand as an assignment for one of our state board meetings, and they did this uh for us in that session and when they fill that fourth branch you could see all the other branches coming up simultaneously and filled up all at the same time (laughs) you know so uh, you're seeing that that oil is in there just waiting to be lit at three o'clock so that there's never any darkness there and I'm getting at the point is down here now by the preaching of the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah that's what's going on in each and every class, right? We're being quickened uh, with the gift of the Holy Spirit that typifies all being in our vessels or in our uh, hearts and in our minds, right? So at the universal revelation, remember it was talking about uh, the, the bridegroom coming, you know what I mean? And so... So this is talking about when that bridegroom comes, he is Yahshua, the Messiah, right? Being revealed universally. That's what that bridegroom coming is talking about at the first portion of the uh, scripture lesson tonight. It's talking about the universal revelation of Yahshua, the Messiah. So when he is universally uh, revealed, because Yahshua is revealing himself to us right now you know what I mean? Each and every class that we attend, whether it's in Zoom class or in our in-person classes, face-to-face classes, you know, Yahshu is revealing himself to us now by preaching unto us through vessels that are called up to to, uh, to speak. He is, is preaching to us and putting his Holy Spirit in us, you know what I'm saying? So at the universal revelation of Yahshu the Messiah, We want to have oil or the Holy Spirit in us. You know what I'm saying? So that at his universal revelation, we will be one with him, taking vengeance on them that know not Yahweh and that obey not the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah. So what happened was the five wise virgins had oil in their lamps. But the five unwise virgins are those that are not making their election sure in Yahshua, the Messiah, by uh, being in attendance, in this class, hearing the true unadulterated gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, and having the Holy Spirit, Yahshua, quicken in you. So if you're not doing that, then you're a foolish bride, as it were, and you don't have the Holy Spirit in you or you don't have the oil in your lamp. So when he is revealed universally, now you don't have no oil. So ain't no sense in asking for oil from those that are obedient. See, the wise is the obedient. The unwise is the disobedient. So right now we're sharing the lamb or we're sharing our oil right now through testimony, you know, of Yahshua the Messiah. We're sharing it now. But then at that point in time, you see, when, when, as it were, when Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua pull the curtain and say it's done, it's too late now. You you get what I mean? So now you're just going to be a servant that does not get a, 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 a great reward. you just going to uh, get tormented throughout eternity. And we don't want that. So now go to the ages and dispensation chart, and I'm going to wrap up. With this dealing with that lampstand being seven uh branches, okay? And so we have seven ages and we have seven dispensations, correct? So in that first age, which is the creative age, as you see it there, it says uh creative, you have the angelic and the physical creation being created by Yahweh our. Own him you see in eternity right and eternity is pure spirit that's why you have this orange fiery cloud going all the way around the edges of this chart here showing forth that these ages and dispensations are in Yahweh who is pure spirit who is eternity that's why it says creation abides within Yahweh or eternity at the top of this chart and then on the left side, you have beginning written in that cloud. And on the right side, you have ending. Okay. All right. So in that first creative age, cre- the angelic and the physical creation is created in eternity or in pure spirit. Right. Get for me. Uh, so keep keep this right here on, on the screen. If the scripture reader can get for me, First uh, John 5 and 7. And eight as well. First John five and seven and eight.
4: First John five and seven. Mm-hmm. For there are for there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Mm-hmm. And there are three that bear witness in earth: the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one.
1: That's good right there. Thank you so much. All right. So it says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Right? So here you have the creative age creating in pure spirit or in eternity. So that's your principles spirit there in the creative age right then uh, you know what I need to get over there uh, is it Ezekiel um, where it talks about he declared the end from the beginning I need that too as I'm that's Isaiah 46 9 and
3: 10 thank you okay Isaiah 46 9 remember the former things of old for I am Elohim and there is none else I am Elohim, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure.
1: Okay, that's good. Thank you so much. All right. So, uh, this creative age created in pure spirit or eternity. So you see that the precepts that she just read over there in 1 John uh, 5 and 8 says the spirit, the water, and the blood. So you're going to see these ages are being framed by the precepts of the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah. So that creative age, that spirit, okay, because it's created in pure spirit or eternity. Then When you come into the second age, which is the antediluvian age, which means the age before the flood. If you recall in Genesis, we're not going to have it read right now. Genesis, the first chapter, it talks about how that the earth became without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That means water. Right. Mm -hmm. So this uh, second age here and see you see it right on the line there. It says, I'm trying to read it here. Okay. Uh, Garden of Eden. Am I right? Okay. So uh, as he was creating this creation, I'm talking about Yahweh, our Elohim, right? He's walking on the face of the water. So it began with water there. You get it? And then after day one, two, three, four, five, Uh, was completed and then on the the end of the sixth day he created the man and then on the seventh day he rested right but the point is you seeing the creator walking on the face of the waters creating you get what I mean so you see water at the beginning of the uh, antediluvian age then when you fast forward to the end of the antediluvian age what do you have you have Noah and the ark you get it so now Uh, there uh, the what he was preaching to the people saying it's gonna rain they had never seen rain before they didn't know what rain was so they didn't know what Noah was talking about and sure enough it did rain after he preached 120 years to the people and it did rain right so the point is at the beginning of that Antediluvian age, you got water manifest because Yahweh of Him walking on the face of the waters creating, right? At the end, you have water, right? So the creative age, spirit, and the antediluvian age, water. Open up with water, close with water. See him, Him declaring the end from the beginning? Then, after the flood was completed, Noah and his family ate souls in that ark. They were in the ark for a year and 10 days. When they came out of the ark, you read in the scriptures that Noah offered up a sacrifice unto Yahweh for thanksgiving for saving he and his family. So this post-diluvian age, which means the age after the flood, is opened up with the spilling of blood. It says every clean beast he offered up you see uh uh, unto yahweh for thanksgiving for saving he and his family so this post-diluvian age opens up with with blood being spilled then when you fast forward to the end of the post-diluvian age you got yahshua the messiah hanging out here on this cross right spilling his blood this is the ultimate sacrifice so all of the sacrifices that were offered up from the garden of Eden. All the way down to Yahshua the Messiah. All of those sacrifices are pointing him out. And he is the ultimate sacrifice. sacrifice the one that Yahweh is receiving. Bull, goats, and heifers. He said that he had no pleasure in that, it. But it's the spilling of the blood of Yahshua the Messiah that Yahweh is receiving. Right? But the point is the post diluvian age opened up with the spilling of blood. And it is closed out. With the spilling of blood. So the creative age. The first age. Spirit. Spirit as it were. The second age. Water. Water. Right. The third age. Blood. Blood. See it's going spirit. Water. Blood. Just like she read. In 1 John 5 and 8. Then the age that we live in today. Is opened up by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. On the 120 in the upper room in Acts, the second chapter. So you got our age being opened up by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You get what I mean? So you got spirit, water, blood, and then our age is what? spirit again. You get what I'm saying? Because Yahweh's purpose is just repeating and repeating. So at the end here, and we're at the end of this present kingdom age, this is where we are in the fourth age, right? It says fourth age, present kingdom age. And then as you read down, it says spiritual kingdom on earth. And what is the spiritual kingdom on earth? That is the Holy Spirit in the hearts and minds of the obedient. In other words, they got, or we have oil in our lamps. You understand? We are as the five wise virgins. You get what, what I mean? So that is the spiritual kingdom on earth. That's the Holy Spirit and a man. Then if you're Have the Holy Spirit in you, that's the king, the spiritual kingdom on earth, that's him in you, that's the spiritual assembly, that's whom we are, the body of Yahshua, that's whom we are, the obedient, full of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit through faith, and we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, not no blind faith as they taught me in my church, you get it? Because we have a great cloud of witnesses, you see. And you see these ages and dispensations, where are they? They're in the cloud or in Yahweh, who is pure spirit. In that, that's the cloud of witnesses. All right. So now it says Pentecost, because Pentecost is still going on today. You got the spirit law written in the heart and in the mind when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the new testament or the new covenant in your heart, and in your mind. This must take place, so that at the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah, we will be received in peace. Get for me 2nd Peter, I think it's 3 and 9. I think that's what I need. So you see the precepts? First uh, uh age spirit. Second age water third i mean second yes second age water third age blood and then fourth age spirit again so spirit water blood and spirit again you get what i'm saying you got it there
4: second peter 3 9 yahweh is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance
1: yes go ahead
4: okay but the day of yahweh will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise
1: okay so i'm sorry i'm gonna be buttoning. in i'm sorry uh <laughs> where the heavens shall pass away
4: with a great noise and what else and the elements shall melt with fervent heat
1: the elements shall melt with fervent heat okay i see the five minutes thank you very much Well, the element shall melt with fervent heat. Now, when you look up the word element, and we've been dealing with this a little bit uh, in Orlando, at our symposium, many of you were there, and in our um, classes since then, working with the day of Yahweh, and it's in somewhere else, it talks about the day of the Messiah, and you kind of find out that's the self-same day, the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, when you look up element, the element is... Earth, wind, fire, water. There are four elements, right? It says now the elements shall do what? The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements, earth, wind, fire, water, shall melt with fervent heat. In other words, this fire, you see? Is an eternal fire. In other words, Yahweh uh, Elohim, who is Yah the Messiah, is a consuming fire, right? And this fire is hotter than any natural fire that we have seen on this earth plane. And we've seen several uh, uh, witnesses on the earth. Such as uh, up there in Canada, there's been fires, and you know they had the smoke in New York and New Jersey, really bad. You know they have fires uh, in California. They they call it a fire season where they have that happen. You know you had uh, uh, a Maui recently. Your fires manifest there, and 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 many others that I haven't named. You see on the earth, but when these natural fires happen, it doesn't destroy the earth. It just destroys what's on the earth. But this scripture says that at the universal revelation of Yahshua, the Messiah, it says that element, earth, wind, fire, water shall melt with fervent heat. That's the creator destroying it.
4: You see what I'm saying? Shall
1: melt with fervent heat. And what else? The
4: earth also and the works that are in it shall be burned up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy living and godliness?
1: Okay. Uh, Saying saying then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conduct and conversation? Because if you look at this uh, scripture in the King James Bible, it'll say... What does it say? Are you reading King James, sweetheart?
4: Uh, and I'm reading King James, but a different version. Mine says conversation. in all Conversation. Holy
1: yes. Yeah. So, okay. And all holy conversation. Then when you read in the Holy Name Bible, and the founder taught us to use both Bibles, right? You look it up in the Holy Name Bible, it says all holy uh, conduct. So it poses, Joshua poses the question, saying then that all these things shall come to pass. What manner of persons ought we to be in all, all is all, all holy conversation and conduct. So he poses the question and he gives us the answer. And what is that? That's being full of the Holy Spirit. That's the gifts of the Spirit. That's the uh, fruits of the Spirit, the great and prompt precious promises, as we read in the scriptures, that is Joshua in us. That's all holy conversation and conduct. So, Yahshua the Messiah in us is our only hope of glory. I hope you got something out of that. All praises and honor go to Yahweh our Elohim through Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Dr. Williams. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. And I will help read while Bruce is on the floor.
3: Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. I just want to say I enjoyed the testimony of the first speaker. Yes. And uh, many good principles were brought out. I just want to say that the... uh, one of the principles that uh, was shown to me, and it was recent, we just had a, recently attended a class, uh, and I believe the scripture was Romans, the eighth chapter, but uh, in Romans fourteen 17, I'd like to have that read because it is talking about the kingdom of Yahweh. And it uh, was shown to me that that kingdom of Yahweh is is found in only one place. And someone might say, well, "What place is that? Is that like San Diego or some place you like?" Or no, but it, nevertheless, it's still found in only one place. Read Romans fourteen seventeen, and it's this is right along the lines of what Cherie was talking about. The uh, importance of having our uh, that oil, which is figurative of the Holy Spirit, must uh, be in us. And uh, read Romans fourteen seventeen.
4: For the kingdom of Yahweh is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit.
3: See, that's where the holy the where the Holy Spirit is. There's liberty, as it says in the book. And uh, that Holy Spirit is talking about Yahshua, the Messiah. He is the Holy Spirit. And in him is where that kingdom is. He is that kingdom, and we have to be in it. And he in us. And that is our only hope of glory and there's also a scripture, and somebody's going to have to help me find this, where it talks about, lo, the kingdom is here or there. So you got to know where to look. <laughs> and we didn't know anything about the kingdom of Yahweh before we came into this class. I, I couldn't possibly have given it a, th- a thought. I didn't know anything about it. Yet, nevertheless, we all wanted to go to this kingdom. We all wanted to be, you know, saved, as it were, but didn't know the first thing about it. And to us, we had a carnal concept of what the kingdom was. And Paul's very clear about it. He said the kingdom of Yahweh is not meats and drinks. In other words, one of my favorite foods which I wouldn't have been able to eat under the law that I was raised with, was lobster. Well, folks, any of us that might like lobster or think they can afford it, it ain't the kingdom. It ain't in the kingdom. It's not being served up in the kingdom. Because the kingdom of Yahweh is not, N-O-T, meat and drink. And that's the only concept I had of heaven or the kingdom was that it was a physical place and there better be dancing girls there. But that was in my, that was a carnal concept I had. Now, Cherie also mentioned that there were 120 in that upper room and were told to wait there until they receive power on high. See, we know for for a fact we didn't have any power, not real power, before we came into class, because we did not have the Holy Spirit, folks, before we came into class. If that busts somebody's balloon or whatever, I'm sorry. But we didn't have it. We didn't know anything about our Creator I didn't even know anything about Yahweh or Yahshua. Therefore, I was not a a recipient at that time of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is really the the one that's revealing to us all these mysteries, folks, is by revelation. Well, who's the revelator? That's Yahshua. He's the real revelator, not John on the Isle of of Patmos. Yahshua is revealing these things to us by the Holy Spirit. That's the the, the point I'm trying to make. And folks, it's only found in Yahshua the Messiah. This is something that was brought out at the last class, and it just, just hit me. You know how sometimes you'll hear something over and over and over again, and then one time, bam, it'll hit you like you'd never seen it before, and it it just hit me in a way that that i cu- i came to recognize that really this righteousness peace and joy that we're all looking for and many of us have already been recipients of it's only found in one place folks just like the yahweh if you wanted to talk to yahweh as it were back there you had to go into this tent where Moses met with Joshua, the son of Nun, but he was only found at that time in one place. And the Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is is the kingdom. And that's only in Yahshua the Messiah. In other words, folks, there wasn't another boat leaving from, uh, you know, at the station from Noah during the time of Noah. You were either in that ark of safety or you were outside of it. And if you were outside of it, it was destruction. And if you were, happen to be fortunate enough to be in it, you were saved. Let me have uh, John 10 and 9. Joshua folks is our he's our everything. but he's the only mediator. He's the only means by with by with which we can come unto the Father through him. And that's the only way folks. I know a lot of people don't like to hear there's only one way. You know, they want to go to a smorgasbord and have, you know, I like smorgasbords too, you know, where they have their choice. But you either take the one that Yahweh's given, and Sheree also mentioned that Yahshua was the supreme and ultimate sacrifice of Yahweh that he would accept for our atonement, folks. Nobody else can clean us up from all the foolishness and all the, the, the uncleanliness that we had before we came into this class. We were all filthy in Yahweh's eyesight. And Yahshua is the only one that can clean us up, folks. He's the real goods. He's the real one, and he's the one and only Savior. There's nobody else to appeal to. Read John 10 and 9.
0: I am the door by me. Oh,
3: wait a minute, Dave. Dave, I'm sorry. Hold it. Just one. I'm the door to what? If you say to somebody, come in the door, you're obviously talking about a specific door. Are you not? You say you got to come through my front door to get to me. If I tell you that that's the only way to get to me is through the front door, don't try the back door because you ain't going to get in. But beyond that door, read, read, Dave. I'll let you finish this time. I am the door. By me,
0: if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture.
3: See how important, folks, that door is? Because that door, getting in the door, is leading unto eternal life. So... <laughs> It cannot be overstated how important it is that Yahshua the Messiah be formed in each and every one of us, folks. And the only way for our soul souls to be cleansed is to be in him. So we are very, very fortunate that Yahweh has chosen us, not because of anything that we've could do or ever have done or can do, but that and think of this, this blows me away when I think of it, that Yahweh chose us to be conformed unto his image before the world was. He knew us before we knew him. But he knew us before we were ever came through the loins of our mothers. And he had already chosen us to be saved in him. Now, you talk about an Elohim that has some foresight. My goodness gracious. He planned everything and purposed everything. And he said, my counsel shall stand, and I'm going to do all my pleasure. He's declared the end from the beginning, folks. So with Yahweh, there's nothing new. But uh, the point I'm trying to get across is that Yahshua is everything to us. He's our Savior and as we've gone through the tabernacle on many occasions to show that he's the light, He's the true light. He's the bread of life. He's what's nourishing us. He's what's feeding us. He's the ultimate sacrifice. He's the water of re- the washing of regeneration. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the holy place. He's everything, folks, to us. Everything. And so we have become dependent on that spirit. We're not supposed to be looking at one another as much as we love one another and care for one another. That's not our focus. Our focus should be on the spirit of Yahshua in each and every one of us and relying and depending on that. Well, how do you get that? Do you just wake up one day and look in the mirror and go, I want that Holy Spirit like they got down there at that library there in New York? It comes through the preaching of the gospel, folks. That's why this gospel. And it isn't just any good news. It's the gospel of the kingdom of Yahweh. And the gospel, let's read that. Oh, boy. I don't even know where that is, but you can take the time to find it. That it's through the preach it's through the preaching of the gospel that Yahweh chose to save some, folks. That's the method. So for all you that were raised Methodists. That's the method through which Yahweh is saving us, is that he loves that gospel of Yahshua being preached, folks. That turns him on, as it were. That makes him real happy to save those that he had chosen that would come to believe. But it's through the good news of Yahshua and what Yahshua has went through, folks, for us. That ultimate sacrifice that he paid. So... That part that we just read in, in Romans 14, 17 about the kingdom. Did you find that about the lo the kingdom is here or there?
4: Or? Yeah, um, Madison found it for us. was that? Madison. Who, who he, popped it 15, on the screen. 15, 15,
3: Luke 17
4: 15. and 20. Okay. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of Yahweh should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of Yahweh cometh not with observation.
3: Right. In other words, you ain't going to see this kingdom of Yahweh uh, by opening up your two beautiful blue eyes or whatever color eyes you have. That's not the way you're going to see this kingdom. Is by observe by observing. Read.
4: Neither shall they say,
3: "Low here," "or, or low there." For behold, here or low there. Oh, it's in Los Angeles. Or it's here or there, the kingdom. No, sorry. Eh. Read. Uh,
4: For behold, the kingdom of Yahweh is within you.
3: Well, now that pinpoints it, folks, doesn't it? Doesn't that pinpoint where the kingdom of Yahweh is? It's not in some physical geographical location, but it's in you. And that's what those people in the upper room, those 120, were receiving when they were told to wait up there until they receive power from on high. Prior to that, they didn't have the kingdom of Yahweh within them. But when they received the Holy Spirit, that's when they got it, folks. And we have that same promise, is that we would be recipients of that same Holy Spirit, folks. It's not a different one. It's Joshua himself. And he's the one that knows, folks. He knows all of us to such a point where every hair on our head is numbered. And he's chosen us. From the foundation of the world. Now, no one ever told me that being a part of this class was going to be a walk in the park because it's not. And those of us that know anything about it know that we are living in some very, very rough times. And uh, we are dependent on that Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to strengthen us to make us whole, and to get us through, folks, this absolute sheer madness and this darkness that is surrounding us. Folks, we've been given light in this darkness, and we're grateful for it, and we know that we didn't deserve it, that it was just because Yahweh had grace and mercy on us. And so I know me. i'm 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 as happy as I can be that I know my creator. Now, one thing that we read in the scripture tonight is where Yahweh said unto those virgins that didn't have the oil. Can we go back there for a second? I think it's uh, matthew twenty five. See, one thing that we would like to be able to hear from our Creator when this thing is all wrapped up, and we're actually hearing it right now, is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, it occurred to me when we were reading in Matthew. You don't want to hear this, folks, what we're about to read. Matthew 25... All of a sudden, I can't find a scripture. Let's you want see. the
0: balance or do you want the verse? No,
3: I'll, I'll tell you, Dave, where it is. It's 41, uh, okay. maybe. It's where he answered and said unto them, I know you not. That's my point. Or that that's in Matthew 25 and 26. No. I'm sorry, it's Matthew 25 and 12. Matthew 25 and 12. Mm -hmm. But he answered and said,
0: Verily I say unto you, I know you not.
3: You don't want to hear that, folks. You've got to hope that you don't hear anything even close to that. See, our salvation is contingent on us knowing him. He already knows us. But this was referring to those virgins that didn't have the oil, folks, which is figurative of the Holy Spirit. See, Yahweh recognizes those that have the Holy Spirit and those that don't. And having the Holy Spirit, folks, is the key. You must have Yahshua in you. And we're blessed to have that, folks. I know before I came into this class, and I can say this with all assurity and no doubt, that I knew nothing of my Creator, right even down to His name. And I was raised in the religion where you'd think if anybody knows their name, it would be the Jews, right? I mean, the Jews were the ones that received the name at Mount Sinai. Yahweh didn't say, my name is Adonai, and I want... He never said that. He told him that his name was holy. Read... uh, Just read this real quick, just in case you think I'm making that up. Read Isaiah 57 and 15. And that's another thing I didn't know anything about was holy. It just was a word that sounded good. Like, when you look at your Bible, it says, holy Bible. So, it was... It was taught in in the religion I was raised in is that it was so holy that if you dropped it on the floor, you better kiss it. As if you kissing it was going to make it holier than it was. Incidentally, speaking of holy, Yahweh told the Israelites back there, and it applies now, that they need to be holy. Uh Uh-oh. Is this cat playing holier than now, but he admonished them to be holy as he was holy. Now how are you going to do that? How are you going to become all of a sudden become holy in Yahweh's eyesight? But that was a requirement he told them to be holy. And it's in the book, I don't know where it is, but I'd find it for you. And I'll give you the answer too. There's only one answer to that. The only way to be holy in Yahweh's eyesight is to have the Holy Spirit in you. Otherwise, you you're out of that equation. You're not being holy on your own. But read Isaiah fifty-seven and fifteen.
4: For thus saith the High and Lofty One, who inhabiteth eternity,
3: whose name is holy. That's all. His name is holy, folks. It's sacred. He never told Israel that you need to call me Adonai it was made up Yahweh's name is precious to him and it's precious to us as well and the name of Yahshua even more so that's that new name folks that's written in our hearts and minds and that's when we should be conscious of the fact that Yahweh is our salvation. I couldn't say that before I entered one of these classes. First of all, like I said, I didn't even know his name was Yahweh, and this name was given to, quote, my people, and yet I didn't know it. And had I heard it, I wouldn't have known what it was talking about anyway, because there's more to the name than just being able to Uh, speak it or say it. It's the understanding of what that name means. For example, the name Yahweh literally means to be or to breathe. Now, don't we always say that in our breath we hear the name Yahweh? Why is that? Because he himself, folks, is the breath of life. And when he puts that breath of life in us, we're just speaking his name, as it were. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. Uh, I just wanted to bring out, and I'm going to uh, uh, relinquish the floor, but I just want to say that, uh, you know, you learn something all the time if you got your ears open in class. It's just that if we ever needed Yashua, boy, You know, and when could we ever make the statement other than that we need them now? Because in case you haven't looked at your TV recently, we're actually uh, watching a war that is going on right now in the Middle East Mm -hmm. between Israel and their sworn enemies. Uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and all these various... Uh, groups that want to see the the absolute annihilation and destruction of Israel and they attacked them. It came as a as a surprise to Israel, which was a surprise to me actually because normally uh, they're generally on high alert but uh, they didn't see this coming. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this out is because the founder, even I was told during the Vietnam War which, was in the 60s, and some of us were in Vietnam during the Vietnam War, he kept telling people to keep your eye on the Middle East, even during the Vietnam War. And, uh, you know, you don't know which time you're supposed to keep your, you know, he didn't say specifically keep your your eyes on the Middle East in October of 2023. He didn't say that. But uh, just the fact that he said to keep your eye on it Uh, And it ought to put us in a, some kind of high alert and was, which was said before, uh, before class started that the founder did say to get your house in order. And, uh, you know, this is a time when we should be sober minded and, and recognize what it is that we have here, folks. It, it, it really is the real McCoy. It's the real thing. And, uh, My testimony is I'm just glad to be a part of it. Uh, I, I recognize that there is an adversary who Yahweh has made, and as it says in Genesis, he was more subtle than any beast of the field which Yahweh made, that serpent. And he also is Yahweh's adversary, and he also is trying to trip us up, folks, and trying to cause us to doubt our Savior. And uh, he's actually quite, quite talented in, in what Yahweh has given him to do. And uh, this is his kingdom. You know, we're, we're, we're glad that this is not our kingdom. You know, we just read what the k- real kingdom is, and it's righteousness. You know, and, and that word righteousness comes, you know, it, the word right. Everybody likes to be right, don't they? Nobody likes to be wrong. In fact, there's many a fights that have taken place over, well, uh, who's right, you know. But real righteousness, peace, and joy is found only in Yahshua the Messiah. And I'm telling you, it blows my mind, because look at all the ways that we've tried to find how to be right, and how to be joyous, and how to be at peace. And none of them, none of them worked. Now, we ought to know what really works, because what gives you righteousness, peace, and joy? Isn't it when you see Yahshua in your heart and and in your mind and in your soul, and when you recognize that that Spirit is comforting you and that you know it and that it's real— and that you don't have to look up above the sun, moon and stars to find God. How much closer can he be than within your heart and within your mind, folks? You take him wherever you go. So, I'm just glad that I'm that I Yahweh spared me f- from this evil and folks, you got to be you got to be living on Zunev which is Venus spelled backwards in case you're wondering, to not recognize that this world is steadily going downhill and there's such darkness that you can feel it. You can sense it. You can feel the darkness around you. And yet we are at peace and we have stability because we know our Creator, and we can depend on Him. And we don't have to look exteriorly, outside of ourselves, to find Him. Nor do I know any Dean in this class that wants you to be dependent on Him. I don't know any Dean worth his salt that would want you. To, that would say to you, you need to. Come to me for all your answers. No. They want you to have Yahshua formed in them as they do, and to be dependent on that Holy Spirit in them, in you, not on them. And so we have some some hope, folks, which the world right now is hopeless. They don't have this hope. And we're just preaching to Yahshua as was said by our our previous speaker to anyone that would hear it. We got a a wonderful savior folks who's taking care of us and who will not let us go. And so I just, my testimony is I'm grateful to be a part of it. And I'll, uh, I would just say that it's a, a definitely a profession worth, uh, (laughs) <laughs> worth pursuing. The The benefits are glorious. Anyway, I'm going to pass it on to the next speaker. I hope that you got something out of what was said, and thank you so much for the time. Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the dean of our Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe.
5: I want to say good evening to everyone that has taken the time to come down to this teaching, this class tonight. Uh, I believe that the first two speakers have set a wonderful tone and pace, which I would like to work right off of that, uh, because it's in line with what I've had on my mind. Now, I want to go back to something to start off with. Back in... Uh, the 70s, the early 70s. Dr. Kinley used to say to us to get our house in order because we have one foot in eternity and and the other foot on a banana peel. And he used to admonish us to keep our eye on the Middle East, that that Mm -hmm. was the key to the close of this age. Now, we have had a lot of distractive type of scenarios that have existed over the last number of years of, uh, with Afghanistan, with uh, uh, Iraq, uh, with now the war going on between Russia and Ukrainians. All of these things are something that are obviously uh, drawing attention to the people in the world. But what they don't understand, the people in the world, is that Yahweh is manifesting his purpose and plan, particularly with the uh, Israelis and the Arabs. Now, I say that for this reason. uh, Because we know that it is setting up the stage for us to understand how close we are to the close of this age. Now, when Yahweh set up this whole thing, we got to go back right there in our chart that we're on right now. In the third age, Yahweh set up a division between what we'll call the Hebrews and the Gentiles. And what he did is he took Abram out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees, which just happens to be Iraq, the area of Iraq, and brought him into that land that we now call Israel, or at that time Canaan's land. And Yahweh promised him this land, and it would be passed down to his offspring. And what he told Abram was, and Abram uh, later had his name changed to Abraham, uh, Abram means father, but Abraham means the father of many nations. Now, Abraham's wife, Sarah, as we know, was barren. And, at uh, you know, she couldn't bring forth any children. So she, knowing that it's very important in the passing on of an inheritance or whatever is for the husband to have offspring. So she offered her handmaiden to Abraham to bear a child for him. And her name was Hagar, or Hagar, however you want to pronounce it. She was an Egyptian. So that what we have is the firstborn of Abraham was half Egyptian and half Hebrew. Now Yahweh had set it up in the purpose that Hagar, I mean Ishmael, excuse me, would not be the one that would be the primary inheritance uh, uh, receiver. That the son that was given to him by a promise had to come forth from his own loins or bowels. That means that he had to have an offspring or a child with his wife, Sarah. And the reason for that is when Yahweh set up the marriage between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when Eve was taken out, And the statement was made that she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and the two shall be one flesh. Now, Abram's wife, Sarah, was his wife and therefore counted as being part of his own flesh. And therefore, the child that was promised had to come out of his own loins or his own flesh, that is to say come forth. Sarah. Now, we know what happened, that Sarah, when she was well stricken in years and was uh, beyond the age of, of, of having a child, Yahshua uh, walked up to Abram and Sarah uh, on the way to send the angels down to destroy God, Sodom and Gomorrah and told Abram that this time next year, will Sarah have a child? Sarah heard it. she She laughed within herself. And Yahshua confronted her and said, Did you laugh? And she said, Oh, no, no, I didn't laugh. Well, she didn't laugh out loud. That's true. But she laughed within herself, and Yashua said, Oh, you have laughed. He said, At this time next year, will you have a child? Now, what when, when when uh when Isaac was born, he she named him son of my laughter.
0: <laughs>
5: now, Yahweh had to set that thing up by a promise and do something that would apparently be termed by us as miraculous for a woman that was way old, way past the years of, uh, of childbirth, to have a child. Now, that shows that that child was special, and that child was second born. And we know what happened, that as the child started to grow, Ishmael would uh, 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 how can I say this, Mach or or whatever, uh, uh, Isaac. And Sarah asked Abram to send them away, and Hagar and Ishmael were sent away, and Israel, or, or excuse me, Isaac became the one that received the primary inheritance. Now, let me say why that's significant and important. And that's because... Yahweh is going to bring the primary the primary uh, uh, blessing or inheritance down through the secondborn not the firstborn So what that sets up is that the firstborn of Abram were basically what we nowadays call the the uh, Arabs they are descendants of Ishmael. But the descendants of Abram after the promise were the Israelites or the Jews. And they were second born. So the second born is the one that Yahweh was going to bring down the lineage of Yahshua the Messiah eventually when he would be born into the world. And it was the second born that point to and reflect the uh, uh, whole reason why Yahshua said you must be born again. You're firstborn by virtue of the fact that you're born after Adam. You're born fleshly, and you inherit the Adamic nature, which is subject to, uh, if you will, wrath and condemnation. Now, the second birth is being born from above, or born by the Holy Spirit, and that you will receive a nature now that is pleasing to Yahweh, uh, that is not subject to wrath. Now, that secondborn, there's been jealousy set up between the uh, the firstborn being jealous of the secondborn. Just the same thing happened with Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, but Yahweh already told Rebekah that the elder shall serve the younger. And later we know the statement was made, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. Mm-hmm. Now, that's why Rebekah prepared him to go in and receive the blessing from Uh, Isaac and received the primary blessing. He was second born. Now we also know that uh, uh, Joseph had two sons, Esau, I mean, excuse me, Ephraim and Manassas. And Manassas was the older son and Ephraim was the younger son. And when he brought the two sons to Israel, who was Jacob, name changed to Israel, he brought them to him for a blessing Israel crossed his right hand over and put it on the head of Manasseh, uh, Ephraim and put his left hand on the head of Manassas, which means that Ephraim, the second born, received the primary blessing. Joseph even tried to remove his hands, thinking that he was old and not able to see well, and, and Israel told him, no, not so. Because in other words, he was operating under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So the secondborn got the primary blessing there between Ephraim and Manasseh, it was Ephraim. Now we know that when Israel was down in Egypt, Yahweh already said that the first generation, that uh, he told Moses to tell Pharaoh to let Israel go, even my firstborn. Now if we were able to comprehend, uh, if we just read Exodus, that that's why the first generation was not getting into the land of Canaan. Because they were disinherited in the wilderness. And those children that were born after them in the wilderness that became the secondborn or second generation, they went in and received the inheritance uh, according to the purpose. So what we have, we have firstborn. Firstborn represents all of mankind that were born after Adam and after the flesh. That is the signature of the firstborn. Second born are born after the Spirit. So what we have to have is the Arabs are jealous and hateful and uh, of the Jews who were given the promised land. They say that Israel took Palestine from them, but let us not forget that that land was promised uh, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it was given to the Jews or the Hebrews by Yahweh Elohim himself. Now, that that animosity has gone down through the ages of time, and it's right up to this very night. Now, what it's representing is the struggle between those that are physical or carnal having hatred for those that are born again after the Spirit. And it's fueled by the mystery of iniquity, causing that kind of jealousy. So what I'm telling you is, what I'm telling you is, is that This war is showing forth the war against those of the Spirit in the type, in the type and shadow. I'm not saying that Israel has the Holy Spirit physically, physical Israel, but I'm showing what Yahweh is demonstrating between those that are firstborn and those that are secondborn. And the firstborn wants to destroy the secondborn because the devil does not want you to be born again. The devil wants you to to be destroyed and not receive your inheritance, because the devil's wrath that he is taking out for being cast out of the angelic is to try to take down Yahweh's chosen or elect. That's what he's doing. Now, this is being manifested by what we see the conflict in the Middle East. Now, it shows you the real war that's going on between spirit and fleshly or physical. There's a war, and Paul talks about that, that the Uh, Somebody get that where Paul talks about the war between the spirit and the flesh. It's in Corinthians, if I'm not mistaken, if you could find that for me. Now, when Dr. Kinley told us to keep an eye on Middle East, I want to tell you a story. In 1971, the peace mission went out and one of the places the peace mission stopped was to see the leader of the Egyptians, Anwar Sadat. And he was asked a question, they were asked a question by Anwar Sadat whether Egypt would be able to uh, defeat Israel. And Dr. Kinley, I guess they, he, they wrote they had he had the, somebody write this letter and send it and Dr. Kinley said, no, absolutely not. you cannot overcome. You cannot overcome Israel. And because that would show forth the second-born being overcome by the works of the flesh and by the devil, and that's not going to happen. Now, what we have to understand is when the United States uh, helped them take over power in 1948, they had what they called the Six-Day War, the symbol of the United States is the eagle. So Israel was able to conquer that land of Palestine and take it back over. And don't forget that was driven Uh, from a standpoint of motivation, because of the Holocaust, where uh, 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 Hitler had almost wiped out the entire, uh, if you will, uh, 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 race of the Jews. And so what Yahweh is setting up is they find, they're going to take their refuge now in their own land that once was given to their father Abraham so that this could never happen again. So the United States helped them in that war by supplying them with the proper military equipment, what they call the phantom jets, that would overcome the Arabs in that war. Uh, And what happened is, the symbol of the United States is the eagle. Now Yahweh told Moses, uh, told the Israelites, when he delivered them out of the land of Egypt, that he delivered them on eagles' wings. So it's repeating yep. the principle. Now, ever since Israel had taken over that land, there have been attempts to ta- to uh, be able to destroy Israel. So in 1973, uh, there was a war that occurred. It was called the Yom Kippur War. That means the Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. the Day of Atonement, when the Egyptians had attacked Israel by a sneak attack on the Day of Atonement. And then Israel rose up and was able to drive the Egyptians back through the Sinai, back into Egypt, and come within 60 miles of Cairo. That's how powerful Israel was as far as a military force. And, of course, aided with the weapons of the United States again. Now, what I want you to know, all of this is symbolic. I'm not trying to point out to you in any way, shape, or form that we're pro Carnal Israelis and negative Arabs. That's not what it's about. It's about what it manifests or what the principle is. It's the flesh warring with the spirit. Now, did somebody find that quote for me? I think you want
3: dennis First sorry? Corinthians. First Corinthians two. I think this is what you want. Okay. Uh, it's, um, two it's, and eleven.
4: It's also Galatians five seventeen.
5: Okay,
3: well, go ahead and read what you got. Let's see what you got. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2 and 10. But Yahweh hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of Yahweh. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? All right, Bruce. Even so... Is yeah. that going to go into the war between the spirit and the flesh?
5: It uses he the term no. war. Oh no! All no. right, get the other quote that, that that Sasha had given. Galatians. Sasha, you Sasha, got it. We'll...
4: Five seven, five okay, five and five and seventeen of Galatians. Go ahead. For the for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other,
3: mm-hmm.
4: so that ye cannot do the things that ye would.
5: Now, what you've got is you're... you've got a struggle or a conflict or a war that's taking place, because Paul also talked about how the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, okay. the stronghold is the mystery of iniquity trying to get you to remain feet, uh, focused on the flesh, to try to get yep. you not to waste your life in this class when you could be out there making money and, uh, and obtaining the American dream, as they would say, or whatever it is that people want. You get the idea. Yep. My point is the class is continuously telling you to set your sights and priorities on Yahweh and Yahshua the Messiah and don't let anything in the flesh come in the way of that. So there's a war going on in each of us to do this. And the devil only has the flesh to work with. Now, what I want you to see is, this is why it's important. Uh, Dr. Kinley, when I asked him about the end of the age, and he started talking about how things are going to get, it's not going to be, he said, uh, uh, a um, cakewalk or whatever, down at the end of the age, he said it's going to be a fight to the finish, he used to say. Now, the fight is the fight, not physically so, as we know, but this fight I'm talking about. But it's being manifested by what we see in the Middle East. So now here we have, Doc told us before the end to keep our eyes set on the Middle East. Now, we have this thing flaring up now. Uh, The leader, uh, who you know is uh, uh, very uh, uh, military or hawkish, if you will, is threatening to go in there and annihilate now. Uh, these Palestinians, which could set up a war with Iran, uh, a war with Saudi You don't know where, how far-reaching this thing could be. Right. And that could also drag in Russia, the U.S., and who knows? I mean, we just know this is what is starting to go here, and we're down now to the close of an age. Now, I also want you to know I watched something last night on YouTube. Unfortunately, I did not get whether this is something that's happening currently or it's been happening. They were talking about off the coast of Italy, that there are underwater volcanoes that are starting to cause earthquakes and could erupt and have cataclysmic uh, 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 repercussions, not only with Italy, but with all of the surrounding areas of the mediterranean now we know that the seat of the mystery of iniquity is there in rome and yahweh is setting up this war in israel and at the same time the potential for rome to be devastated by either an earthquake or a pyroclastic flow or a uh, because there's a super volcano that exists under the uh, the ocean floor right on the coast of Italy where Naples is that that super volcano just isn't a normal ca- volcano. It is a cauldron of so much lava that could create such an explosion that it could actually close out life on the planet. That's how powerful we're talking about. And now they're talking about all these earthquakes that are occurring and minor eruptions and all the stuff you all know about Mount Vesuvius. Uh, when uh, uh, in the beginning of the after the Messiah I don't know how, what year it was there was an eruption and it completely devastated that whole area there uh, that they still have people It's a, right now it's a shrine kind of thing and people go to see it people were just killed right in their houses and all kinds of things but anyhow what I'm trying to get across We're looking at something that needs, for you need to wake up. And as Doc used to say to us, get your house in order. If there's ever a time now for you and your house, we're not talking about your house, house. We're talking about your soul. That's the house that you are dwelling in. And we need to put our attention and our focus on our on our our jobs and we have as witnesses and ministers of the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, and to do the work of the ministry. Now, I said all that to set this up, that the 25th chapter of Matthew is dealing with if you, divisions, because we have the, the ten virgins, five are wise and five are unwise. Then we have those that were given talents, those that increased the talents, and then those who that didn't do anything with what they were given. And then we have in the next thing in the chapter is Joshua appearing from heaven with his mighty angels, setting the goats on his left hand and the sheep on his right hand. Now when he does that, that's the judgment, ladies and gentlemen. Who's a goat and who's a sheep? Yahshua's separating them down at the end. And he's telling them, not asking them, well, why do you think you're on my left side? Or why do you think you're on my right? He's telling them why they're positioned where they are. And he talks about to those on the right side that they have gone out and done those things like feeding him and visiting him in in prison and clothing him and all these kind of things. And they're thinking, well, who did I do that with? And Yashua said, when you've done it to the least of one of them, you've done it to me. And then he told the ones on the left, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for you never knew me. For when I was hungry, you didn't give me food. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to visit me. In other words, they said, well, when did not we do that? Now, I'm going to talk about what this is all pointing to. I want to see if we could quickly run down through uh, this, this uh, uh, first part of the chapter. Now, let's talk about the, the, the virgins. I think that... Uh, Dr. Williams did a beautiful job working with that oil and showing you what that's all about. So I just want to say this with those with those ten virgins, it said they all took lamps. Yeah, but five of them took oil, and five of them didn't bother taking oil. Now, my question is, why would you take a lamp but not get any yeah. keep the oil? That's necessary to make the lamp light. Why would somebody do that? Okay. Well, the analogy is simply this: We know that they said that while the 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 the, the bridegroom uh, took his time, so to speak, that they all slumbered and slept, and they had to be awoken up. They had to be woken up. And when they woke up, there were those that were wise that said, "We're gonna, we're going to." take that oil and, and keep that tucked away uh, to take care of us when we're called by the bridegroom. And the unwise didn't take it. Why? Because they never expected that the bridegroom was going to come. So they didn't think they needed the oil. So they were busy. when Slumbering and sleeping doesn't mean you're in your bed snoring. What it means is, from a spiritual standpoint, that you're not being diligent in the gospel and you're not paying attention to what Yahweh is doing in the world or even the, what is being preached now should have some kind of impact on you and cause a reaction down in your soul. Now, those that are not taking this thing seriously, you have the information, but that's not enough. Because unless it has a penetration down into the soul, where you become the gospel or that which is you become, I, your identity is a son of Yahshua, that understands that in the second part of that uh, next uh, parable was the one of the, those that were servants that were given talent, you understand you're a servant. If you're a servant, that means you have a job. You have something that you're supposed to do. Now the wise were supposed to keep that oil, but the unwise didn't take it to heart. They didn't bother with the oil, and it was too late. While they went to go get it again, it says that uh, the Yahshua, the Bridegroom, took the wise ones, brought them in, and shut the door. Now I want you to know that when that door shuts, there is no chance of it being open for you if you come and knock on it and ask to. Oh, gee, I had to go get oil. Can you open up now and let me get in? Once Joshua closes that door, it's sealed, and no one else will be saved. And Dr. Kinley talked about Noah back there, that when uh, Noah uh, gathered those animals, those animals came to Noah by spirit law, and he took them up into the ark, and they all had a place for where they were to be put. And once Noah and his family went into the ark, Dr. Kinley told me that the- he had an- Yahweh Elohim had an angel seal the door of that ark, because Noah was kind-hearted. And when the people came, when it started raining and started knocking on the, hey, Noah, let me in. What Didn't I help you build this ark? Didn't I go out to the forest with you and we cut down the trees and prepared the lumber? He said, Noah would have was a, was a tender-hearted guy. He would have opened it up and let them in. He said, so he had the angel seal it so that it could not be opened by Noah. Once the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, shuts that door, you cannot get in it if you are on the outside. You are lost for all eternity with no hope of ever coming out of that state of the lake of fire and in that that state of experiencing the wrath of Yahweh poured out without any mercy or forgiveness. You don't want to be in that, ladies and gentlemen. You don't want to be in that. You want to be a humble and contrite servant of Yahweh, doing the job that you've been called into this gospel to do, which is to be diligent in your attendance. Dr. Kinley said it was contingent on us to be regular in our attendance, to keep our hearts and minds stayed on him by the foolishness of preaching, to be reminded of why we believe this teaching, To be reminded why we love the truth. We are renewed in the spirit of our mind every time we come to class. And I was thinking about this when Bruce was on the floor. The only place that you're not caught up in the cyclonic aspects of daily living is when you come to class and you can close out the world. And you can set aside, as one speaker once said years ago at a convention, he said, now, when you come down to this class, you come down there with a bunch of junk you're carrying with you. And he pulled out a glad bag. He said, now, what I want you to do is put all of your cares and your worries and your bad attitudes and negativity in this bag and leave it outside the room when you come into the classroom. He said... So that that is off of your shoulders, and if you want to take it again and pick it up on your way out, you're free to do that. But while you're here, he said, be here. Now what I want you to know, what I want you to know, is that every one of us have to learn how to get into the eye of the storm, where we can the only place we have real peace left to find in our lives is being in this class with the brethren, hearing the truth being spoken, the love that is poured out one to another. This is the peace and the rest, ladies and gentlemen. The world is in chaos. It's in total chaos. The world has gone mad. We know that, but not in this room. That's why you should be looking forward to coming to class to escape the problems of the cares of this life And get back to the conscious realization that Yahweh's got it all under control and you can rest and know that he's got you, he's got your back. He's going to take Mm -hmm. care of you no matter what the situation is. You need to be assured of that. You need to have that in your heart. This is where you come to be refreshed, to hear the truth because the world doesn't know anything about it. And I think uh, Bruce also said that it's dark out there in that world. Oh, my gosh, it's darker than a thousand midnights. As Dr. Killing used to say that, too. Now, those those the wise virgins, they kept that oil, and that oil is the retention of what has been revealed to them down here in these classes has stayed grounded in their hearts. Where the other ones, it was set up on a shelf, and they got back to the business of being carnal and having themselves caught up in the affairs of this life that were like this good seed was planted something started to come up and they got choked out by the cares of this life. That's in the 13th chapter of Matthew. Now we get down to those that he gave the talents to. Well, we already know the first guy had 10, he got 20. The next guy got 2, he had 4 when the master came back. The next guy digged and put the talent in the earth and he did nothing with it to increase it. Now that's us coming down here and ever learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's us yes. coming down here, hearing these things and taking them lightly and not having them impact our soul and our heart. You're, if you're not doing your job as a servant of Yahshua the Messiah to be a witness, to be here for the saving of another soul, to be able to pass on what has been shown to you, then you're, you buried your talent in the ground. And that talent, you'll be, re, you'll be called for that. Uh, what did you do with that talent? Everything in this, this chapter is not about you explaining why you went out one night and got uh, drunk. Yahweh don't want to hear about that stuff. Yash was not there to hear you talk about why you got drunk. What he's here to talk about is what did you do with the gospel that was given to you? What are you currently found doing at the close of this age? Are you an active minister of the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, gathering souls unto him? Are you yourself struggling and trying to fight off the, the devil and to be obedient and to try to do that which pleases Yahweh? This is the stuff that we're being judged on, ladies and gentlemen. And Yahshua is this simple, with the, with the sheep and the goats. The sheep had the Holy Spirit, obviously, and when they went out, they didn't see Yahshua the way he looked when he walked around 2,000 years ago. But what they were doing was preaching the gospel to the world, and therefore when they came across somebody who was hungry for knowledge, hungry for the truth, they fed them. And when they found somebody that came in naked, they had no understanding, no conscious awareness of Yahweh, we tried to clothe them in the garments of beauty and glory or the divine nature by the foolishness of preaching. Or when they were in captivity or prison, meaning that the devil had them under his thumb, we went in there to liberate them from that captivity through the preaching of the gospel. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about literally going out and feeding people and clothing them and going down to jail to visit any convict down there. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but that's not the judgment. The judgment is all about the spiritual reality of what what our job is. Now, the ones on the left that were the goats, they're the ones that were stiff-necked. Those are the ones that received the talent but never went out and did anything with it. So they didn't try to... Uh, preach the gospel to people they came in contact with they didn't try to encourage people to come to class they didn't uh, act, uh, come to class on a regular basis to show that this teaching was uh, 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 absolutely important to them in their lives and that this teaching defines their nature now they were the ones that didn't do nothing with what they've learned therefore they were slothful workers they were they were wicked workers And what happened was that none of them were invited into the new heaven and new earth state, which the sheep were brought into the kingdom that was prepared for them from the foundations of the world, and the other ones were left on the outside. Now this is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen, down at the end. Taking inventory within yourself. Examining yourself to see whether you be of the faith. This to examine yourself to really be brutally honest with yourself of what your priorities are in this life. And I could say all the right words, but you've already heard them. But the truth is, it's got to come from the depths of your soul. If you are not examining yourself and you're too busy thinking about making more money, or uh, uh, putting priorities that uh, up overcoming the class and all those things and then justifying all of it, I'm afraid you're, in, you're on the wrong side. You don't want to be there. And as it was once said to me, and I'll repeat it, it's not what you've done, it's what you're found to be doing down at the end. And that's what I want you to know. All of the times you can't, you can say all you want. Well, I've come to class all the time, and, you know, I was there for a lot of time, uh, 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 class after class, and I just had to take a little vacation. It's not going to fly, ladies and gentlemen. This is a lifelong commitment. This is a a lifelong dedication to the truth. And that's what Yahshua has called us out of the world into this teaching for us to be able to do that, to give up everything for him. And the reward that we're going to receive for giving up and sacrificing what we want out of the physical, natural world or this life to do the will of Yahweh cannot be compared to the little bit of suffering that we have to go through by denying ourselves things that we would like to have in this life. You can't make anything as important as your eternal life or as your creator. And if you are, then you don't love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if you don't, you don't have any chance of being acceptable. We need, and I know what I'm saying is, is tough. I understand it. Dr. Kinley used to say to us all the time, it's tough, but it's fair. And I say this to you because we're down now. What I see going on in the world and what I've seen of recent time with this whole thing coming up now with Israel, with with the possibility that Rome will be blown away by a volcanic eruption that will destroy the Vatican, bringing down the seat of the mystery of iniquity. And all I can tell you is, uh, I'm not predicting those things, because I don't know, but I'm saying the potential Mm -hmm. is there. And all I'm telling you is, this is no time for us to slack off in this class. You should be encouraging one another and holding up each other's arms, for, and forgiving one another if you've had uh, altercations. Just as Josh was forgiven you, and learn how it's not uh, uh, in our in nature anymore to be vengeful. It's not in our nature to get somebody back when they've done something to us. It's our nature now to accept, even if we've done wrong. And Peter talks about that, where he said, "If you be." Chastised for something that you did do, and you take it, uh, take the chastisement. He said that is not what pleases Yahweh. He said, but if you're chastised for something you're innocent of that you didn't do, and you take the chastisement, he said this is well pleasing with Yahweh. Yeah,
0: no,
5: that's sure. the demeanor we want to have. We want to have the divine nature. When well, we read over in Second Peter uh seeing that all these things must come to pass, what manner of person ought we to be? I'm not. I'm t- telling you what manner of person you ought to be. You ought to be a person that is a servant of Yahshua, witnessing to the, this true teaching and manifesting the divine nature. And that's what we all have to reach forward to. And we're going to reach towards the mark of the prize, the high calling in Yahshua is to try to be as absolutely perfect and Yahshua as he's made it possible for us. That's what we're supposed to be doing is moving forward. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, but we can, we can make up for those mistakes. We can repent, and we can learn how to be long-suffering, forbearing, and forgive one another and love one another. That's true divine love, the attribute. So I just hope uh, tonight's class was very, very encouraging to me, very stimulating And I just hope that you got something out of this. I hope some of this makes sense. And if I scared you, I honestly, sorry, I don't mean to scare you, but I'll tell you the truth, I'm scared. Yes. I want to do what I know. I don't don't want to stand before Yahshua and hear these words. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you and you never knew me. Mm I don't want to hear those ladies, and the thought of that scares me to death. I want to hear, come into the kingdom, beloved of my Father, that was prepared for you from the foundations of the world. That's the words that I'm seeking and hoping are said to me at the end of this age. With that, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. I hope you enjoyed class. I'm going to turn it back to the moderator. Peace and love in Yahshua to all the brethren.
0: Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today in our Zoom class, and we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah. Alleluia. Alleluia.